ever been taken by surprise by something? Several years back, when we were living in the south of France, pastoring a church, I took our youth group on a, a high ropes course. Um, done a number of those in my life before and never had any problems with it. But all of a sudden, I'm 200 feet above a ravine, standing on a rope, holding onto another rope, harnessed in, and I become literally paralyzed with fear. I couldn't move. I start to sweat. I'm gripping. I was completely taken by surprise because I'd done these things numerous times before. And life is like that sometimes. We get taken by surprise. And Peter tells us in this passage not to be taken by surprise because of suffering. Do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering, he says. And we just want to wrap up, if you will, Peter's teaching on suffering. We've already seen his, his understanding of suffering in previous messages. Tim opened 1 Peter chapter 3 in two messages to us. And we looked at this idea that the good life is the way of righteousness. And yet there's a paradox in the midst of that, in that we can get caught by surprise. This, this idea that in the midst of living, trying to live the good life, trying to live Jesus' way, the life of righteousness, suffering still happens. But in the midst of that, we should keep on going anyway. And then in the following verses, in verses 18 through 22, we saw that Jesus is the one we need in the midst of um, suffering as well. We can trust him. He is Jesus. He did rise from the dead. He has gone into heaven and he's at the right hand of God with angels, authorities and powers being subject. And therefore, in the midst of this life, in the midst of suffering, we can indeed trust him and we need to as well. If you will, that is the triumph of righteousness. Last week, after we looked at chapter 4, we took a, a hard, look, hard look at hospitality because Peter says in chapter 4 and, and verse 8, Above all, love each other deeply. Love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another. And we saw that hospitality, literally love of the stranger in the Greek, is what we should do. And we translate it as hospitality, and Peter extends it in this passage to each other as God's family. But it's key as we do that towards the world and those who don't love Jesus yet as well. And so we want to think about that. But then he comes back to this idea of suffering again in chapter 4 and the passage we just read. And he says, don't be surprised at the strange thing you're suffering. You know, we can suffer for at least four different reasons that I can think of. Number one, we suffer because of our own sin sometimes. You do something sinful, you're likely to suffer for it. You steal from somebody. You say, I'd never do that. But Peter mentions that here as well. You murder somebody, you're going to suffer for doing that. Peter mentions that as well. So we need to understand that our own sin can cause suffering. Sometimes we suffer because of other people's sin. <laughs> if you're on the end of being robbed, you get to suffer as well, which doesn't seem very fair, and it isn't. But in sin in general, sin in the world, other people's sinful nature, we suffer. Ultimately, sickness, as we'll find out or have found out as well as we looked at Jesus, is a result of sin, and that causes suffering too. Sometimes we suffer because we are in fact Christians and following Jesus the way of righteousness, the good life. And people 
the world, if you will, doesn't like that. And they perhaps make us suffer as a result. That's also true in our world today as well. We're not the most popular with understanding of how we should live our lives or want to live our lives with the ways of the world in that sense. And lastly, perhaps intricately connected with that, is this idea that we suffer because we start to learn to deny our own sinful natures. And it sets up a, a fight within us. We know our old nature wants to do this and yet we want to follow Jesus. And so we, we start to suffer internally. It's a bit of a fight. And any time there's a fight going on, we suffer. Peter tells us not to be surprised at the painful trial you're suffering. And I think his words are still applicable to us today. He's going to tell us three things about this. Suffering, not being surprised, so we can learn about it as well. He says, remember that God always has a purpose when we suffer for being like Jesus, for being like Christ. And that's in the first three verses. Don't be surprised at this strange thing. Rejoice when you participate in the sufferings of Christ. So there's three reasons I want to point out to us. In the first part, it says, be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. You see, sorry, that's the second reason. We exalt, we become overjoyed because of this. So the, one of the reasons that we face suffering is because we, we get joy in our hearts when we learn to trust Jesus. The first one, though, is that we're tested. He uses this word test in there, and it's painful. He wants to purify us and make us more like Jesus. There's a wonderful picture in the Bible of, of gold being purified. And it takes out all the dross, all the bad things in our lives. And, and, and suffering and trials have this ability to get rid of the stuff which is not actually, it's earthly, not actually of Jesus. And so we, 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 we become more like him as well. It tests us. We become overjoyed when Christ comes. We will be. When Jesus comes back, we'll realise that this suffering was just for a season. And we'll be overjoyed, we'll be filled full, that's our hope filled full of joy because of who he is. And then at the end of this passage in verse 14 here, it says the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. So if that one was future, this one is present. We get to experience the joy, the power of the Holy Spirit in the midst of our lives. These themes are repeated in the book of Romans and chapter 5 when Paul tells us that we, we should embrace our trials because it produces perseverance and hope and joy because the love of God is poured out by the Holy Spirit into our lives. So there's a present tense reality to this suffering. Ultimately, of course, suffering helps us to become like Jesus says in Romans chapter 8 verse 29 that he wants us to be conformed to his image that Jesus might be the firstborn amongst many brothers and sisters. So suffering, Jesus suffered, we can expect to be suffering because we follow him and that will make us like Jesus as well. So some reasons why we shouldn't be surprised. God has good purposes for us in the midst of these sufferings which we go through. And then in these verses as well, we see four commands which we need to follow when we suffer for Christ. And the first one is, in one sense, don't be surprised. <laughs> don't be surprised, he says. And if we remember that, we shouldn't be surprised, then we'll be less likely to be surprised when it does happen. I was surprised when I was crossing over the ravine because I'd never experienced it before. 
but the human body psychologically is not meant to be standing on a wire rope 200 foot above a ravine. But I was surprised. And so similarly when we suffer, we are surprised because we don't expect that. Peter's warning us and he says, don't be surprised. And so the first command which he gives us in this passage to help us get through suffering is be prepared. Don't be surprised. There's some things you need to know. And we need to take that to heart in a very real way. And then he uses this word rejoice in the midst of suffering. Ah, this is key in the midst of suffering. If you want to overcome and not just fall underneath it, we need to learn to rejoice. We need to learn to rejoice not at the fact of the, the pain of the suffering, but the fact that God allows suffering into our lives because he cares for us. He wants to conform us to the image of Jesus. That's a marvellous thing in that way. We should rejoice. Learn to rejoice in the midst of suffering. You remember the occasion perhaps in, in the book of Acts and chapter 16, Paul and Barnabas are in prison and they're singing in prison. <laughs> Can you imagine being in prison and singing? And it is the testimony of many, many, many people when they're facing suffering from whatever cause, they learn to sing, they learn to rejoice in the midst of it, and it helps them to overcome. In the midst of a personal struggle, which is causing you suffering, as you're learning to overcome sin in your life, if you learn to glory, learn to rejoice, you'll be embracing what God has to say to us about overcoming. Rejoice in the midst of suffering. Know that God has good things planned for it as well. That's one of the reasons I think Christians love to sing. Martin Luther, uh, the theologian of the Lutheran church in, in the 1500s, said that Christians need to learn to sing. And so he put all these songs about theology and God and to actually, oddly enough, all the songs they used to sing in the bars, the hymns and the tunes they used to sing in the bars and the, and the places like that. So they knew the tunes and they could sing and be happy about the word of God, the power of Jesus in their lives as well. Rejoice. When you're down, when you're struggling, listen to some Christian music. Make music. Put the words of God through music. We're attuned to doing that. David was a songwriter. That's what the Psalms are. Sing the songs. Sing the theology of God. Sing the testimonies which you have. Praise the Lord in the midst of these things. And then he says in these verses, do not be ashamed. Sometimes we think that because we're suffering, we're sort of lower on the totem pole, that we, 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 we must have done something wrong. We, and it's true, we could suffer for the wrong reason. We'll get to that in just a moment. But actually, when we're suffering because we're like Jesus, when we're following his ways, Jesus says, don't be ashamed. You see, Jesus suffered. Paul suffered. The apostles suffered for being like Jesus. We shouldn't be ashamed when we go through suffering. And finally, he says, glorify God. It's linked to rejoicing in the midst of it. But this is actually now praising God for what he's doing through you. He says, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you at the end of verse 14. Ah, oh, the spirit of glory. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of Jesus. He's the spirit of holiness. But here he's, he's the spirit of power in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. But here's the, the spirit of glory. You see, God's glory can shine through us when we are suffering. 
So three or four purposes, four commands to follow when we're suffering for being like Jesus. And I just need to make a note here that we should suffer for being followers of Christ in verses 14 through 16. If you're insulted because of the name of Christ, he says in verse 14, you are blessed. If you suffer, verse 15, it should not be a or a thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. You see, we bear the name of Jesus. We're called Christians, little Christs, if you will. That's who we're suffering for, for him. So not to be ashamed. And we just note here, he says we should suffer for being followers of Jesus. Now, there's lots of reasons we could suffer. We mentioned at the beginning of the message that we could suffer for doing wrong things. And Peter mentions some things we could suffer for. We could suffer as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal. I trust you're not one of those, though sometimes I think... If you're a little bit taking things on occasions from your employer, you could suffer for that reason, be reprimanded in that way. But the last one, even as a meddler, I call this sometimes the Christian sin. <laughs> we love to get busy in other people's stuff. We love to meddle. We love to gossip. We're always interested in things, sometimes the wrong kinds of things. And that's the word behind this as well. It's this idea of gossiping, busybody meddling and the scriptures warn us about not being that kind of person in in Romans chapter 1 and verse 29 along with criminals and and thieves and murderers and those who disrespect their parents he says he uses these words don't be gossip they're people of gossips and slanderers insolent arrogant boastful these are all things associated with this idea of being a meddler or a gossip or a busybody he says don't be like that if you're like that, you'll probably suffer. And that's not how Jesus was. So you're not suffering for the right reason. In Proverbs, number of Proverbs, 18 verse 8, 26 verse 20, 20 verse 19. It, it says that a, a gossip betrays a confidence. It says that without wood, a fire goes out. And without gossip, a quarrel dies down. You see, you see a gossip, a meddler is always getting involved in stuff which is actually best taken to the Lord. And if it doesn't, you can suffer for it. Tell tales, betray confidences, talk about somebody behind their back. These are things which will cause you to suffer. People won't like you. And it's not suffering for the right reason. It's suffering for the wrong reason. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 11, it says that the people were, some people were undisciplined. They did no work, but they were busybodies, meddlers. 1 Timothy chapter 5 verse 13, and Paul gives instructions to Timothy about the, the women who were, had lost husbands and they were younger widows. And he said they were gossips and busybodies, or could be, and they shouldn't be like that. He says, don't, don't be like that, friends. Don't be a gossip and a busybody. You see, we can suffer for the wrong reason. And Peter says, no, 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 that's not when the glory of God comes. That's not when to rejoice. That's a time for repentance, getting things right with God in that way. We are surprised indeed when we see how we suffer in this way. Then finally, as we get to verses 17 through 19, 
we actually get to the, the heart in a sense of why, why suffering happens and why we should not be surprised. Because the reality is that we're surprised because of God's character. And the reality is we don't fully understand him and how he's working. He's always at work, always doing things. If you will, it's almost the theology of God. It's the theology of how he works. You see, God is holy. He must judge sin. Must. He has judged all sin in Jesus, but as it continues to happen, he, he, he deals with it. There is a moral set of code, if you will, a moral law written into the universe, which reflects God's character. And it, it comes out naturally. If I said to you I could jump off the top of a tall building and it won't hurt, you'd laugh at me. You know why? Because of this thing we call the law of gravity. I'm going to drop, I'm going to accelerate, I'm going to hit the ground with a loud smack. Now, I may believe what I want, but the law of gravity is written into our created world on this planet. And the law of consequences for not living life God's way is written into God's world as well, because God is a holy God. So even though he's taken care of all sin through the death of Jesus Christ, one day it will come to be that way as it really should be because of Jesus' death on the cross. He's taken care of everything in us. Forgiveness is available. Redemption is there. There's freedom from fear. There's honour instead of shame. But also this world, which has been subject to sin, will be renewed. He puts it this way in verse 17 through 19. For it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? You see, even God's household, this stuff happens. Our effectual, our wrong actions will follow, fall, fall under the, the judgment of God, even during this life. It won't count against us eternally. But the consequence of wrong actions in this life will follow through and will get judged. And on top of it, because we still live in a sinful world, we're affected by other people's sins. And because we follow Jesus and we want to be like him, that means that we'll also suffer the consequences of that. But the good news is, of course, that one day all that will be done away with. There'll not be just freedom from... The, power, the, the, the consequence of sin, there's an ongoing process of the freedom of the, the power of sin, but one day we, there'll be consequence of the, the freedom from the very presence itself of sin in the new heavens and the new earth. I just want to remind you, as we get to this concluding section, what Jesus said about suffering in John chapter uh, 15 at the end of the passage, when he's talking to his disciples on the the night he was betrayed, he says this, If the world hates you, verse 18, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you, because the words I spoke to you, no servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching... If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. 
If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. Now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father as well. You see, the very nature of God means that suffering will happen in this world because of sin, because God is holy, and those things play out. Jesus brought freedom from those things. But in the meantime, there's ongoing suffering. God has a purpose. There's some things we can do to overcome. But we will expect to see that suffering will come, judgment will come to the household of God. This is a message which is sometimes not popular. But we should expect that God disciplines as a father does a son, the writer to Hebrews says, those whom he loves. And he uses hardship and suffering to do it as well. It has a purifying effect in our lives as well. So even the household of faith is judged. When we come to the communion table, Paul reminds us in the book of 1 Corinthians that we should judge ourselves. We should make sure that we're right with God and right with our brothers and sisters. It's so important to do that. Paul gives us a warning there. He says, if you don't, you could end up sick. So God uses in a very specific case this idea of sickness. Don't be surprised at suffering. Suffering is a result of the nature of God as holy. He's dealt with sin in Jesus. He will be fully released from the presence of sin in the future. But in the meantime, sin still has consequences. Our sin, other people's sin, and yes, other people's sin, when we start to live like him, will cause us suffering because they didn't love, don't love Jesus. They don't love us in the same way. He continues as he wraps up this and he says, it is hard for the righteous to be saved. What would become of the ungodly and the sinner? Just think for a moment about how hard it was for you to become a Christian. What happened to happen? Well, the death of Jesus to start with, that's how hard it was. And then he pursues you. Even when you were dead in your sins, he chased after you. Think about how you became a Christian, what God did to get you to become a Christian. Some of you say, well, it was really easy. I became a child. I was a child and I became a Christian. I was raised in a Christian home. I trusted Jesus on the lap of my mother and my father praying with me. Yeah, but what did he have to do to get you to that place? It means he had to bring your parents to Jesus as well. Oh, the magnificence, the work of God in bringing you to the place where you know him as your Lord and Saviour is immense, starts with the death of Jesus, then continues with him, tracing you down, if you will, tracking you down. And in the midst of that, we, we still are sin, we've got sin nature within us, and God's at work purifying us, making us like Jesus through this suffering. In the midst of a sin-sick environment, which Paul describes as a place in Ephesians chapter 2, where the, the spirit of the, the, the ruler of the kingdom of the air is at work. Oh, God's perseverance in taking us from when we were still in our sins to working with us now in the midst of this place in our own lives and with sin around us and finally bringing us to glory when we receive the redemption of our bodies 
absence of sin in our worlds and therefore freedom from suffering. Oh, if it's hard for us to be saved, the righteous, what is to become of the ungodly and the sinner? And that is the hard side of Christianity in a sense. We all have the privilege. Anybody can come to know Jesus. doesn't matter what your background is. doesn't matter where you come from doesn't matter if you come from a nominal Christian background. doesn't matter if you come from a, 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 a Hindu background or another religious background or a secular background. The way of Jesus is available to everybody. But rejection of Jesus means ultimately that you've chosen during this life not to want to be with him. And he follows through on that. And you go to be where those who don't want to be with Jesus are. It's the consequence of your natural actions. It happens in the book of Revelation in chapter 20, and we call it the Great White Throne Judgment. When the books are opened and all those who don't have their names written in the book of life are separated from Jesus. They didn't want him during this life. They won't have him in the next life. That's the hard side. So God's magnificent nature is complete. He's loving. He's holy brings those two together in Jesus Christ that we can live with him now and for eternity as well. What's the conclusion of this whole matter? The conclusion is this, verse 19. So those who suffer according to God's will, remember you can suffer the wrong reason, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. That's the good life. That's the way of righteousness. That's what Jesus said. Seek first after my kingdom, my righteousness, and I'll add all the things you need in life. Seek God. And even in the face of suffering, don't be surprised. Rejoice. Glorify in God. Know that God's purposes will carry through in it to make you more like Jesus. Trust yourself to a faithful creator. The whole Christian life is always about trusting, trusting, trusting. Sometimes we gave him a little understanding, but ultimately it's about trusting him in the midst of suffering and continuing to do good because good is the way of righteousness. It's the good life in that way. Contrast that with me, if you will, with the attitudes of the world about suffering. I just wrote some quotes down. It was fascinating reading them. It's all about this life. Nietzsche said, to live is to suffer. To survive is to find some meaning in suffering. Contrast that with Peter. We don't find a temporal value with Peter's teaching. We find an eternal value. Patty Smith says, those who have suffered understand suffering and therefore extend their hand. Again, none of these are not necessarily untrue, but they have no ultimate sense, no eternal value. Another songwriter, Willie Nelson, says, We create our own unhappiness. The purpose of suffering is to help us understand we are the ones who cause it. There's a truth to that. We cause our own suffering. Others cause us suffering. We have this internal fight. But that's not the big picture. Thich Nhat Hanh, philosopher from Eastern religion, said, Handling our suffering is an art. If we know how to suffer, we suffer much less. And we're no longer afraid of being overwhelmed by the suffering inside. No, suffering is brutal, friends. It's hard. But the conclusion is this. Those who suffer according to God's will 
should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Pursue the good life. Pursue righteousness. Seek first his kingdom in the face of suffering so we can be like him. Thank you.